Alright, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Alright, for those who are coming for the first time, please look at the cover of our magazine and let's declare the words of understanding together. Are we ready? Okay, one, two, let's go. Now I declare the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His Word. The Word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Now, that will be your portion in Jesus' name. Confusion is banished by that declaration. In the name of Jesus Christ. Understanding is coming today in a greater measure. In the name of Jesus. All right, can you just greet a few people around you? Bless them. Don't say, how are you? Tell them you are well. Tell them you are blessed. Tell them you are raised. You have increased. You have favor. In the name of Jesus, it is well with you. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. All right, let's take our seats. We will soon stand up again. I want to start reading. Like I said, a lot of us will participate in reading the scriptures. Let's start again by reading from the words of David. He said, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. In the book of Psalms, Psalm 34. I am going to read this. Oh no, I think it's time for somebody to start helping me out. Where's the mic? Alright, so let's start with that. I think I would like somebody to read for us Psalm 34. You are going to read from verse 1 to verse 14. Just catch somebody at the back. One of those people at the... Give uh, that sister in yellow. All right, you are going to read Psalm 34 for us. Which version are you reading? Let's be sure. The Americans, okay, that's good. All right, read from verse 1 and read all the way to verse 14. Praise God. Hallelujah. Psalm 34 from verse 1. Move your mic closer, please. Uh Yes. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth, too. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fear. They looked to him, and were redeemed, and their faces will never be ashamed. The poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. And save him out of all his trouble. The angel of the Lord encamp around those who fears him and rescue them. 8. O test and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who take refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you he sent. For to those who fear him, there is no branch. The young lion do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall 
be in want of any good things. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord, who is the man who desired life and loves strength of days, that he may see good. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, we, that's a good, a good portion we have read there. Where my emphasis is, is on verse 3. It says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And now if you see what David said in verse 2, he said, also said, let, just have, let me just emphasize from verse 1 again. He said, he will bless the Lord at all times, and the praise of God shall continually be in his mouth. He said, my soul, what will it do? Make it boast in the Lord. And he then said, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Of course, we read all the way uh, to verse 14, but these three verses underlie the thing that we want to talk about. The fact that David was describing that the praise of God has to be continual. David was describing that it is not only, now I'm explaining it again, when we are in church that we are praising. It is a continual thing. And there is an application of it which I want, us all, uh, I want all of us to understand. It's not just when we say that uh, we are praising continually. We can think that I'm always pre- uh, singing. I'm always, you know, I always have a song in my mouth. Every time I'm singing, I'm worshipping, you know. But it's beyond that. That's what we've been looking at. What we are saying is that we must understand the role of God in our lives. We must understand the power of God in our environment. And when we are talking, we must talk like we understand. I hope you are getting my point. Yeah, we must talk like we understand. He said, by faith, we understand. And I therefore say, say, without faith, we have no understanding. Without faith, we have no understanding. Which means that I look at the circumstances of my life. If I cannot interpret them in the light of the word of God, then I am not speaking with understanding. If I cannot interpret the circumstances around me in light of what the scriptures, in the scriptures say, that means I have no understanding. What am I trying to say? Therefore, when we are talking, if we are talking about praising God continually, it's not just to lift up our hands and sing songs and worship the Lord. That's not all there is to praising God continually. What is also there is that if I'm analyzing something, remember what he said in verse 3, he said the humble will hear it and rejoice. That is in verse 2. Alright, the humble will hear it and rejoice. If I'm analyzing something, not everybody will understand. If I say that this is a favor of God in my life, I've sacrificed somebody, and later on I hear some testimonies about the fellow's behavior. I was not surprised. That is, it, it explained the previous things that I heard. That is, you know, I, I tried to explain the favor of God, and the fellow was arguing with me. Eh, but you read, you read. Are you getting my point? You know, I, I was giving a testimony of how I went for an examination, and I did very well, and how God's favor was great. You know, that's what granted the success. And I was trying to point to me, but I should also remember that I read very well. And I read very well. We spent all the time that day arguing. After I where I left it. Because you see, he said the humble will hear it and what? 
rejoice. The proud will hear it and argue with you. That's what I'm going to explain. They will so much focus on the fact that you read. They will forget that the ability to read is a gift of God. The ability to comprehend is a gift of God. The ability to reproduce what you read is a gift of God. The ability not to make mistakes is a gift of God. There are people who have read and read and read and read. They came for an examination. At the day of the exam, they slept, they've slept off. You're not aware of that? I've seen people read, read. This actually happened to in my presence. The fellow who have been the best student in my class in my first year came into the exam hall. He had read very well. And we started the exam. He threw a fit. He wasn't epileptic, nothing. But he had read so well. And exercised his brain so well. He had a convulsion inside the examination hall. <laughs> inside the exam hall. I, once I was studying, of course, in UNTH here, that's the University of Nigeria, one of my best students ever, who probably have gotten a distinction. You know what happened to him? The day was coming for the exam. They said 9 o'clock. And he was used to the previous times. If they said 9, the exam would not start till 10. So he left the main campus and got to the exam hall at 9.20. Unfortunately for him, the hall where he was examining was invigilated by two examiners that don't take nonsense. There are four papers. You expect you, you move from paper one to paper two to paper three, paper four, every 30 minutes. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Every 30 minutes. He came in at 9.20. Those guys just do that. As soon as they come, they give you the first paper. Go and sit down. 9.30, time up. They collected it. When I saw him, I was angry. Listen, in this life, be very careful to give God his glory before he puts gravel in your mouth. <laughs> if you refuse to give him glory, if you refuse to acknowledge him in this life, you pour some sand for your gari, literal sand will enter into your gari. This is the interesting part. You will even know when he got there. You will put the gallon in the cup, it's correct. You put the water clean. You put the spoon in your mouth, it's sand. I've seen it many times. I learned it very early in life. If I ever put, God did that one deliberately. It was as if it was marking me. We'll read the scripture later on now. It was marking me. Anytime he sees me brag on my own power, he will frustrate it. I've seen a man before who could not play table tennis. You know, let me explain it. They are able to know how to play. They just managed to push the ball. And that was the only sport I did in my secondary school. Alright? So, one day we were talking. You service. I was in playing and playing and playing. And I beat him consistently. So, one day we were just talking about stuff like that. And I, he, and I told him that, I've forgotten what led to it, but I just made it clear to him that there's no chance in a million he will beat me. That I don't even need to pray about it. So, he said, let us play. And he beat me. He had never beaten me in his life. He doesn't know how to play. Those kind of people that they can't use the back of the bat. I don't know how many of you know table tennis. There are people that they can only use one side. So they'll be running up and down like Satan from one end to the other, <laughs> to and fro. No, but those who can really play, they can just stay in one part. Bam, bam, you know? I'm not one of those best guys, but I was hanging somewhere in the middle. But he was at this extreme. Those kind of people that you give you. So he explained to me that I shouldn't talk like that. I said, no, no, that is not a matter of prayer. 
I think that there's no, I'm so much better than him. There's no chance he'll ever beat me. So he said, let us play. I saw my strength depart. And why is it? I'm not, I still remember that day. It was so embarrassing. We finished the game. We didn't talk about it. We just started going. You know, we didn't say anything. We didn't say a word. You know, that's when I know that God has been in my life for a very long time. Very, very long time. He's been doing that thing to me since secondary school. If I brag on anything, he will, he will deliberately mess it up. Deliberate. Sebanki, what did you say? By strength you shall prevail. No problem. Go. David said we must praise God therefore how often? Continually. I'm trying to emphasize that it's not just when we raise our hands. It's in how we relate with people. Seriously. There are times we say, don't mind that guy. What I'm trying to say is that you are better than him. Sometimes we say it, you know, like, I forgot, was it um, one of these great preachers of those days? One day he saw a homeless, alcoholic man, a drunk, a, a tramp on the road. And know what he said? He looked at the man and said, there goes I, but for the grace of God. I don't know whether I hear that. He said, that will have been me, but for the grace of God. He didn't look at him and say, what's wrong with you? He said, no, Father God, I thank you for your grace, but I'm not like that. He wasn't feeling superior. He was just grateful to God. That could have been me. I hope you are getting my point. Like last time we explained something, when we read the praises of God, that's what we've been doing. Reading the praises of God. That's why we read some of the things we read. It may not sound like praise, like, oh yeah, worship the Lord, worship the Lord. No. To just describe a situation. We're going to read a few of them today. To just describe a situation. But you will see the hand of God in it. That's the praise of God. One man that praised the Lord so well in the scriptures, we quote him all the time, but we don't realize that's what he was doing. It's Joseph. The brothers came and said, please don't be angry with us. He said, who are you? I don't know whether I get my point. You think you are the reason I'm here? It's not you. You think you are the reason I came to Egypt? It's not you. The Bible says, the Lord sent a man ahead of them. So he said, you meant it for evil. Don't worry. God meant it for good. And the counsel of the Lord was what stood. That's a man praising God. That's a man praising God. Remember the story I told before? When I was a house officer, a young man went to the bush to go and hunt. He and his friends. And there was an, there was an accident. His den gun went off, facing him, and he was hit in the chest, I remember, around this area, somewhere around the shoulder here. Between the chest and the shoulder. The bullet went in here. But it's a low-velocity, what they call low-velocity missiles. So, it packed a lot of rubbish into the place and all of that. So, my chief came on, they looked at it, okay, take this man to the theater, and to tell them what they will do, they will go and, all right, clean up the wound, basically, we'll do it in theater. So, the day we went to the theater, my senior, one of my seniors did a minor surgery, we saw a lot of debris, grass, cloth, stone, you know, all kinds of things that they gone packed in there. And after, it was a minor surgery, so they, they gave him, um, not deep anesthesia, just something to just knock him out of the beat. He woke up. He wasn't really sleeping, you know. So after, so after what he got up, and he opened his mouth and condemned himself to death. 
How did he do it? He opened his mouth and said, I survived that gunshot because I'm a man. You, see, has to, you have to be a real man. And all the nurses, including people like me, unanimously in theater that day, they turned to him and said, shut your mouth. God spared your life. You are there opening your mouth. He died at the end of that week of tetanus. At the end of that week, he was dead. Ah, you've not seen tetanus punish an adult. I remember, I think, I traveled or something. I came back. I asked my guy, what did you ah. So I went to where they screened him in. I saw the spasms. You know what killed him? The muscles. Yes, because when you have tetanus, the spasm from his muscles were so big. The spasm from his muscles. Because most children with nurse for tetanus when I was there, almost all of them survived. The only one that didn't survive, because when I went to the small children's section, pediatrics, there was only one boy that did not survive, and that was because the mother wouldn't listen. We kept on emphasizing, don't feed this boy, don't feed him. Don't feed him, don't feed him. Of course he's hungry. He's not getting any food. But we knew we had to be giving everything we could through the things. But she fed him while we were not watching. The boy inhaled the food and died. Otherwise, almost all the little children would not survive. Almost all of them. But this man, once they hit him, bam! At the end of the week, he was gone. And I just remember that day in theater. And I felt like that was the day he condemned himself to death. He should have said simply, God, thank you. That bullet could have hit a critical... You know, I've seen... Look, I can't be telling you bad stories. Same was shot in the leg. And they died. Leg, they did. In fact, the one I'm thinking of, the bullet passed through his calf. It went in and came out. Somewhere, one village nearby here. But it was at night. The village, they came to steal something, so the vigilantes engaged them. So they ran into the bush. So one of the bullets fired, passed through his calf. He bled to death in the bush. Why? Because one artery was cut. And because, of course, he didn't have the knowledge. God had not granted him the knowledge. He was there in the bush shouting. Of course, 3 a.m. Who's going to come out of the house? Into, this is the village inside the farmland. They found his corpse in the morning on the farm, farmland. So that's the kind of thing. If that man should have just said, Ah, God, thank you. This bullet missed critical. And listen, if you see the size of the artery supplying your arm, it runs near that area. If he tears that thing, he wouldn't have left that farm. That's that bush where they brought him to us. <laughs> Come on. Guy will, it will bleed to death in the next 20, 20 minutes. It's, it's dead meat. I said, I'm a man. I said, I'm a man. I stopped the bullet. Because, eh? Stop the tetanus. That's what we want to say. My prayer that is, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually. No one I was coming just now, I was very, very hungry. And I'm, one, I'm not one of those preachers that climb pulpits with an empty stomach. I realize it's not good if you want to live long. Yes, yeah, some preachers, they want to, when they want to go and pray, don't eat at all. No, I'm in the other school of thought. 
Even if I was fasting food, when it's time to preach, I must put something because man, no need to collapse on the pulpit. Anyway, so I bought a small snack on the way coming. I was about to put it in my mouth just now. I paused and I gave thanks. And I told the Lord I'm thanking him in the name of Jesus. And I said, Edwin, believe me, I could buy 1,000 of that without, without sweating. But at the food, in fact, if you know where I'm coming from, you know I had to give thanks extra. <laughs> and last week, one of our brothers said, oh God, thank the Lord for me. The dentist almost killed my wife. I said, what? He said, when I got to my house, I told my neighbor, I said, everybody tell the story of how his uncle died after a tooth procedure. How somebody died? Ah, I said, people actually died there. Listen, giving thanks is one way by which you bless the Lord and keep his praise on your lips continually. You get a fine new shirt. Before you wear it, Deliberately close your eyes for two seconds and say, thank you. And you wait. Don't think because your father is Dangote, shirt is taken for granted. Let me not tell you things that God does. Look, if God blinks, bad blink. <laughs> you know what they call bad blink? The way you cut eye for somebody like this. When he does it on somebody's skin, who's not grateful? He will give him what we call Scalded skin syndrome. Your skin will be peeling. You can't wear a shirt. No, there are people like that. Fire didn't burn them. You think they were inside fire? The skin will just be peeling. So before you wear a shirt, don't open your mouth and talk nonsense. Oh, that my papa is Dangote. And I'm delicate. So I'm okay. <laughs> don't, don't even go near there. Because the Lord can allow you 10,000 shirts and not his skin to wear it on. That's why I use the story all the time to illustrate. A man prayed for MK Abiola and said, May the spirit that will waste resources not enter your money. And MK will say, It's not necessary. That the prayer is not necessary. That if the spirit enters, it will eat and eat and get frustrated with eating money. And it will go away. See, don't brag. Don't boast. Let the wise man not boast of his wisdom. Let the strong man not boast of his strength. Strength, you must understand the Bible includes riches. When it says the Lord thy God that gave you the power to get power, that's what he said literally. He gave you strength to get strength. He gave you the power to, but in English we now call it what? Power to get wealth. He said, don't boast in your money. Don't boast in your resources. The man said, the money is so plenty that whatever spirit you think you are, enter. You will eat and eat and eat and you will get frustrated. You know, there's what is called the wisdom of God. Are you getting my point? Because you don't understand my wisdom. Aitofel, God swore to Aitofel, I will give you wisdom. You'll be very, very wise. Aitofel was so wise. Then David came and prayed and said, turn the wisdom of Haithophel to foolishness. God said, no, 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 I promised him that he will be permanently wise. But don't worry, I know how to arrange your answer. 
So Ahitophel gave wisdom, counsel that was very, very wise. And God closed the ears of Absalom. And Absalom thought the man was talking nonsense. So God turned that wisdom in the ears of Absalom to foolishness so that he did not heed it. Ahitophel was so sure of the sense, the wisdom in his wisdom. Are you getting my point? That once he didn't listen, he went home and committed suicide. He said, David is coming back. Give him one week. He will be back. If you guys don't do what I'm telling you now, in one week, David will be back. He did not listen. He went home. He was so so sure of it. He said, let me kill myself before David kills me. So when the man said, ah, the money is too much, God said, don't worry. She said, what is the value of money if you can't touch it? So when the time, the day of judgment came, the Lord took him away from the money. I remember once they interviewed Godwin Dabo, one of those politicians of those, those days. Godwin Dabo said he went to Abacha and begged, please let this man go. Abacha said, no, I can't. That the problem is that he has too much money. I don't know whether you're getting my point. The strength became a disadvantage. Abacha told Godwin Dabo, I read this, they were interviewing Godwin Dabo. The man said, Abacha said, he has too much money. He will destabilize my government. <laughs> God is to be feared though. If he gives you money, become fairer than before. Do you like my English? We must fear him. That's the point we are making. You must fear God. He is to be feared. Like I was saying, anytime he gives you a reason to boast, fear him more than before. That's the point I'm making. Anytime you see and it's like, ah, now I have strength. No, before you didn't have money, so you used to pray. Now when you have money, you want to, you know, people have said that we don't need to pray again. No, pray more. But once you stop praying, it's a sign that you're not trusting the money he has given. It's a sign. It's a sign. Once you stop praying, it's a sign that your trust in, is now in the money, the resources that he gave. He said, okay, why should I ask for money when he has given me? Then thank him for the money. And ask him to help you keep on in, in track. Ask him to help you keep on the right path in spending the money. He wake up in the morning and said, Lord, please, with all this money you have given me, let me do the right thing with it. What do rich people do? One of the things, one of the sins, the temptations that they pervert justice. It's true. There's nobody to pass here. Say, who's manning the road? This man, giving 10,000. Let's go. Yes. Oh, that's how we pervert justice. <laughs> one of the things, one day I read an article about it, the newspaper report. What's the name of this woman? Madonna, the musician. She goes to the gym, I think every day. And in front of the gym is no parking. So they put a no parking sign. Anytime you park, the parking fee is 50 pounds. This is in London. So you know what she does? She comes to the gym and parks there. And goes to the gym, stays in one hour. She knows that the parking fee is 50 pounds. But she has so much money, there's no point. <laughs> so she will park there. The policeman not got used to it. Every day by this time he goes, he has prepared Madonna's ticket. He just goes and puts it on the glass. 
Just by the way, if you are a Christian, eh? be careful that you, do, that you don't do such things. God will tell you that bank is come, come. They say no parking here because it will obstruct traffic. You have become a bad example now because you can afford the fine. The fine is not primarily for revenue generation. It's supposed to be a deterrent. Now, because you have the resources, you think the law does not apply to you. Do you want me to make you poor? That's how God handles his children. So when they say no parking, come with a bicycle. Even though you can pay the parking fine. That thing Madonna did, God said, my children don't do it. It's not about money. It's about when you park, you are an example of disorder in the society. Everybody will say, after all, Madonna parks there. After all, Banky parks there. I hope you are getting my point. They will not realize that you have so much money. In fact, we shouldn't realize it. Forget it, the issue of money. The truth is that you are doing it just because you can afford it. That's a small way of perverting justice with your money. I hope you are getting my point here. That's why I say you will still pray. And say, Lord, please, oh, you have given me a lot of money, but please help me not to pervert justice. Help me. Help me to do what is right, even though I have the money to make things go the other way. If you use your money as a Christian to bend rules, are you getting my point? To, expect, to promote unrighteousness, God will have to make you a special example. So what do you do? Just try your best. Once you see you have a lot of money like that, eh? don't start feeling happy. Start feeling good. Start doing everything because you know <laughs> you, will, you will use money to, you know. They have a, there was one man in um, in um, Ekiti those days. His name was, I think it was a governor self at the time somewhere, I'm not sure. Was a big politician? No, it was not a governor. was a politician. His name was Oluwoporoku. What's the meaning of that? Are you a Lagos man? Did you come from Lagos? Huh? What is he saying? Did he say no? You say yes. The Lagosians don't speak Yoruba. But who speaks Yoruba now here? Oh, you do? What's the meaning of Oluwoporoku? Those words. Are you from Lagos too? Eh? I'm not from Lagos. Where are you? You are from Ibadan. Enugu. Who taught you your Yoruba there? Anyway, just by the way, Oluwoporoku means that the rich man has killed the case. That's the man's name. He has, he has ended the matter. He has stopped the discussion. <laughs> so one, one play we watch those days, the man will say, very rich man. When he's good on the road, somebody wants to cause trouble. He say, kill him. Use it to cause trouble for me. And his boys will shout, Baba! He will carry his long robe. And that's somebody talks, say, Beat him. Use it to cause trouble for me. Everything he says is, do it and use it to cause trouble. Literally, he says, use it to put case on my neck. Use it to put, create a debt I need to pay. <laughs> Those are things that Christians must never do. Because what you are doing, God is not judging money matters. He's judging this perversion of justice. And you, you are using my resources to pervert justice. That's why we believe ourselves. We have to go, uh, go extra in this our lives to do what is right. 
So that we will not even be tempted to do what is wrong. I hope you're getting my point here. Try your best all the time. Do what is right. You know when they say no parking? Just by the way. Anyway, they say no parking. I don't park there. Ask my wife. So this day I should drop something for her somewhere. I got there at Agrippa Junction. The road was clear, left and right. No cars. I saw one car park. I moved closer to him. I looked. I said, two offenders won't make this thing normal. Though. So I drove off the road to the front of is it Providence High School. I went and parked inside, inside. Then trekked back all the way to the junction. Just to deliver a message that my wife sent me. As soon as I left, actually I left her phone there. She forgot it before. And I told the person, please, once she comes, tell her to call me. Once she calls, I said, sweetheart, where is your car? And I started begging. He said, who do we know? Please now, help us. But they said, don't park here. If I did not know, it's different. But then once I looked around, I looked to the left, I looked to the right, nobody has parked. I said, there must be a reason why there are no cars in this place. It's not like any group will learn righteousness overnight. <laughs> I said, nobody should make me an example. I went and looked for where to talk my car nicely. And I trekked back. I had to tell my wife something. I said, I don't like saying sorry, sir. Not, I said, I can't apologize. But what I mean, be telling policeman, sorry now, please now. Please now. <laughs> I said, why should I do that if I know what is right to do? Let's just do what is right. So that when we want to talk, we are talking from a, a position of strength. The Lord is good. When the Bible says the righteous is as bold as a lion, that's what it means. Oh. It means when you have done what is right, you are not afraid. Now, just drop that one so that we don't take the name of the Lord, you know, not, that is, don't misuse the strength. That's what I want to say. The strength that God has given us, we don't use it wrongly. So let not the strong man boast in his strength. How do we praise God? That's the point we're making. By saying all the time the power belongs to God. So we don't pervert justice. Even though we have money, it doesn't mean we pray less. We pray more. Because our temptations have increased now. Our temptations have increased. You know, what's his name? James said it. That there are certain kinds of authority they give you. It only gives you double judgment. Everybody put up your right hand, please. Put up your right hand. Drop it, drop it. Put up the left hand. Alright, shake your head to the left. To the right. Thank you very much. I'm very sorry I harassed your life. That thing was purposeless. There was no reason. Say, why are you put nothing? I just wanted to show you that I had the power to do it. Oh, that's all. Look at all of you. Big men and women sitting down. One guy said, put up your hand. You didn't question me. Why? You put it, I put up the left. You did. I said, turn to the left. Turn to the right. You were just following me. In case you don't know, it is called spiritual authority. Yes, God gave it to me. If somebody stands from the crowd and says, everybody put up your hand, you're going to say, boy, what's happen? You're not going to put up your hand. So why are you listening to me? It may sound like a trivial thing, but the fact is that God gave it to me so that you will pay attention to me so I can instruct you with the word of God. So, I must never misuse it. James said, if I misuse it, I'm going to suffer double judgment. So James said, if you don't know how to handle such powers, when they say, who wants to be a teacher? Don't answer. Say, not me. 
He said, because each time you take that position, your judgment is double for everything you do now. If you park wrongly, not only have you parked wrongly, you have caused all the Christians in Enugu to park wrongly. This is how our pastor parks. Anything you do, they'll start copying you. For that reason, your judgment is everything a double, double. What I'm trying to say, once God gives you strength, your prayer increases. When he gives you authority, your prayer increases. You start praying some more. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from doing evil. You have to pray some more. I hope you're getting my point here. So, I'm going to emphasize something. How do we praise God continually? It's by recognizing his power. It's by recognizing his strength. And by reflecting it in everything that we do and how we speak on a daily basis. Last time we looked at his strength, his power, his praise concerning the fact that he's a governor amongst the nations. Remember that? We talked about that. Today I want us to look at a few scriptures that show, scriptures that show that he's in our life and Satan is not one of the gods we serve. I don't know whether you're getting my point. A lot of times we take his power and authority, we give it to Satan. Everything goes wrong, it is the devil. The devil now did, the devil now did. Listen to me, if you are a child of God, the devil is not a God in your life. Somebody say amen. Is the God of whom? The God of this world. The Bible says the God of this world. In your life is not a God. I hope you are getting my point. We are going to read the number of scriptures, like we did last time. Okay? Just to show that indeed, God is the one that is in charge of our lives. Listen to me, if you are a child of God, every ancestral curse in your life is broken. Say it if you believe it. Oh. Amen. Say that amen if you believe it. Amen. Satan is not a god in your life. Give me an amen. amen. He's a tempter, but you don't serve him, so he doesn't control what happens to you. He doesn't. He does not control what happens to you. Where was I teaching? It was in nowhere or in Kaduna. That's this last week. I explained to people that look, even if you die, Satan didn't kill you. Even if a Christian dies prematurely, Satan could not kill him. It's only God that has that power. What the devil does is to tempt and tempt, make the person disobey, and then go to God and accuse the fellow wrongly. Accuse the fellow. So that life now turns wrongly for that individual. But God is a judge. Jesus said he's a God, Peter said, he's a God-appointed judge of the living and the dead. Satan cannot kill you. For you. I want you to understand your life is not an accident. If you are going on the road, somebody dashes you 500 naira. It was commanded from heaven. There's nothing like you are very lucky. No. There's nothing like you are very lucky. As a child of God, you are blessed. No matter how small it looks, listen to me. If somebody dashes me 500 naira, I quote a scripture. You know, the Bible says that Abraham built an, uh, uh, built an altar and called upon the name of the Lord. He does that after God has done something in his life. Then he will build an altar and call upon the name of the Lord. I do that. Somebody dashes me 500 naira. People have sent me 200 naira recharge card. As I load it, I will say, Father, I thank you. Because you are causing prosperity to flow towards me like a river. And the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. No matter how small it is, it's a fulfillment of the blessing of God. I'm not a lucky man. I'm a blessed man. 
Luck is how people who don't understand spiritual things describe blessings. I hope you're getting my point here. I'm not a lucky man, I'm a blessed man. No matter how small the good thing is, I still ascribe it to God. You know what David said, where were they just now? Magnify the Lord with me. What does that mean? Expand him in your own vision. The extent to which you magnify God, that is the extent to which his power will be manifested in your life. That is a matter of fact. Many times we have magnified, what do we even magnify? We've magnified all kinds of things. We've magnified chance, and the thing we have magnified most is the devil. We Christians. Everything is the devil. Everything, once we don't like it, is the devil. If you transfer a man from here to Meduguri, say Satan, say I should go to Meduguri. Simply because it's Bono State, he feels there's trouble there. It is the devil. Listen, even sometimes when things don't work for you, I hope you know God resists people. I hope you get my point. Yeah, he resists people. But I say God resists the proud. You may not think you are proud, but there's a pride in your life that it needs to remove. You think you are humble, but God says, let me resist you in this area. God resists people. So even if you feel resistance, don't give the credit to the devil. Things have happened in my life. Oh, you know, the devil, <laughs> the boy don't find glory, find glory, not stand for my house. Did you hear what I said? Oh, you don't get my point. Satan is looking for where they will give him glory. He knows that he won't come to my house. I won't give it to him. God forbid. No, it won't happen in Jesus' name, but listen to me. If what happened to Job happens to me today, I will give the same response that Job gave. I will not for one moment blame the devil. The only person I may mistakenly blame is myself too. The devil, lie, lie, won't give him anything. I, it may not sound like Christian, okay, modern Pentecostal doctrine, but I believe it. I will say like Job, the Lord gave, the Lord has taken. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Listen, he's the judge. Even if I saw Satan taking it and running away with it, I will still worship God. Because the Bible, Moses said it now, he said, I can one chase a thousand or two chase ten thousand except their rock gave them up. But if for Satan to come and take my thing and run away, God must have told the angels, move, let him take it. As I won't give him, I won't give him any glory. In my life, he won't get a glory. He won't get one bit of glory. If something goes negative, yes, I, I, I doesn't mean I won't do introspection. I will pray. I will do like Moses taught them to do. How the judges in Israel used to do. Why is it that calamity has come upon me? Do you know an evil spirit possessed Saul? Yet the scribes and the prophets, actually the prophets, I was listening to David Posse analyze it. The book of Samuel and the book of Kings is called the former prophets. We don't call them prophets. We say Kings, Samuel. But the way the, uh, the Hebrew canon was arranged, the, 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 the canon of the, the scriptures, all right, for Israel. They have the former prophets, people like Samuel, that's First and Second Samuel, which in the Hebrew scripture is one book. Then they have kings. All of that is called former prophets. Then they have latter prophets. That's the one you call Jeremiah, Isaiah, Nahum, Malachi, all those people. What am I going to say? The prophets wrote. The prophets were writing. 
when you read some of those things that we read in our Bibles, that they said that an evil spirit from God possessed her. You know, for a long time, you should wonder how on earth does God have evil spirits? I don't know. All I know is that the Bible says the evil spirit that came to Saul was from God. Where God borrowed it from? Bansaniba. I don't understand it. But the Bible says the evil spirit on Saul came from where? From God. Now, this point, the prophetic mind didn't give any glory to the devil. So Moses says, if you find one chasing a thousand, two chasing ten thousand, still give the glory to God. I hope you are getting my point here. Why? He says, they are rock that gave them up. It's not their enemy that became strong. And that was a problem with a king. They said, we need a king. God said, you don't understand. You are taking my glory and giving it to kingship. They thought the king would protect them. God said, that's not where protection comes from. God said, that's not where protection comes from. If you put your eyes on a king, trouble is what will come to you. You know the truth? As now they got the king, they got the protection initially. But their troubles began from that day. Remember, don't take the name of the Lord and place it on a vain thing. Don't take the name of the Lord. Lord Lugar, we said last time, is not the reason why there's a Nigeria. Who is he? Who is he? It's God that describes. Listen, he said the boundaries, the Bible says, for the nations according to the number of the sons of the Israel of God. I'm modifying that scripture for so understand. God wanted a statement. He wanted the church in Nigeria. That statement is important to him. He wanted to tie the saints in Kebi to the saints in Rivers, in River State. He wanted to tie the saints in Sokoto to the ones in Enugu. He wanted to tie the saints in Zamfara to the ones in Lagos. He wanted to weave it together. So he told Lord Lugard and the queen and said, Oh yeah, carve that nation for me. I wanted to join the northern protectorate to the southern protectorate. Call it one nation. Don't believe anybody who tells you that the foundation was laid in the bottom of the Atlantic. It's not possible. The power belongs to who? To God. Concerning your life also, the power belongs to whom? God. Look, those things in the Bible, go and see it. They will say concerning Hannah, and the Lord opened, do you get my point? The Lord opened her womb. You hear the statements showing you that the power belongs to God. For 20 years, Rebecca did not bear. And the Bible recorded it for us. Moses wrote it. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife Rebecca's sake. Who did he entreat? The Lord. Listen, in your life, let me say it again. Ancestral curse is not the reason why you are not going forward. Don't give God's glory and be put on ancestral curses. If things are not moving the way it's supposed to move, go and pray and say, God, why not? That's why this statement I keep on making. When Christians don't understand, they will be rebuking when they should be repenting. 
Sometimes God will just say, listen, listen, change direction. I don't like the direction you are going in. That why should ancestral curse have power over your life? It's a question you should be asking. Not going to say, I break the ancestral curse. Go and read your Bible. God did not remove the, uh, the, um, the serpents that were biting people of Israel. He gave them a serpent on the pole. He said, choose the one you will look at. Those who focus on the problems around, they died. But those who, despite the serpents around, focus on the one that was on the cross and on the pole. What happened? They lived. You know what we do a lot of times? Terrible mistakes we pastors have made. We have focused the eyes of the church on ancestral curses. Every time we organize a program, let's break ancestral curses. Listen to me. You don't need to break them. You just go away. I don't know what I heard I said. So let's break it. It's not yours to break. It's yours to leave behind. <laughs> I don't know what I connected with that. It's not yours to break. It's yours to what? Leave behind. Forget the deeds of the ancestors. Forget their customs. Focus your eyes on the Jesus on the cross. The resurrected Jesus that ascended to heaven. Focus your eyes on him. And the ancestral problems will leave you alone. You cannot use your offering to break an ancestral curse. That one is a money-raising venture. It's not the scriptures. If he sees an ancestral curse tonight, you will not give a sacrifice because when they were making that bond that day, they sacrificed a goat. Now to break it, you will sacrifice a cow. One man of God cracked a joke. I'm still laughing to you today. He said, if you like sacrifice a cow, I have sacrificed messages best. So that's got to be a joke. Does God take engine oil as an offering? The blood of diesel and petrol. Engine oil. As they lay that engine on the altar, as they open, as Udechuku is the high priest. Yeah, he's the one that will slaughter the car so that the engine oil can pour on the altar. And the Lord smelt a sweet savour of burning oil. Rubbish and nonsense. The only sacrifice they understand in heaven is that one that is killed and the blood is let loose. I hope you're getting my point. And the greatest antidote to every form of sacrifice against us is the one that is offered for our sake. And that is that of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is under sacrifice. We've taken God's glory and given to those things. What am I preaching today? Christians, let's magnify the Lord. Let's magnify the Lord. Let's magnify the Lord. The man of God was in a terrible accident. As soon as the car settled, you know the first statement that came to his mind? To his mouth. He said, Lord, you have my attention. He said, Lord, you have my attention. What am I supposed to know? He understood. I said, God, I okay, I understand. You've been trying to get my attention. This car somersaulted on Todd Millard Bridge. And hung upside down. And broke his bones in several places. Still strapped upside down. First statement said, Lord, now you have my attention. What am I supposed to know? But many of us come and say, the devil wanted to kill me. The devil is always wanting to kill you. I can assure you of that one. When you woke up this morning, he wanted to kill you. When you were brushing your teeth, he wanted to kill you. When you drank your tea, he wanted to kill you. Yesterday night, he wanted to kill you. Let me give you news. Tomorrow morning, he still wants to kill you. And that will be the 17th time he has wanted to kill you between now and tomorrow. 
But he, let me give you another news. He can't kill you. I know the truth. He knows. I hope you know he knows. He knows. So it's not news that devil wanted to kill me. And when he wants to kill you, you know how he starts? It's temptation. It's not with knife and cutlass and gun. Kill you, kill you, kill you, kill you. No. Has God really said, thou shalt not eat of that tree? You say, mm, yes, so he said, would he will not surely die. Are you sure? Grace covers it now. You can't eat anything. Jesus has died for you. Collect anybody's wife. Jesus has died for you. It's your flesh that is sinning. Your spirit is pure. Anybody who believes that doctrine wanted to eat before. <laughs> That's how Satan kills people. I hope you are getting my point. So don't come and testify Satan wanted to kill you. The man of God said, the first thing that came to his mouth, he said, Lord, you've gotten my attention now. What am I supposed to know? I want to pray as I pray. I say, Lord, please do. Don't turn my car upside down. You can get my attention. <laughs> yeah. Just, Lord, don't worry. I'll wake up early. Let's talk. I will pray. This turn upside down thing, I don't think. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Personally, it's not my favorite spot. I hope you're getting my point. Let's leave that in. <laughs> and that is, for me, it's not my favorite spot. Let's find another way to get our attention. And for that reason, we pray all the time. Lord, get my attention on my knees in the name of Jesus. When I'm sleeping at night, get my attention. Normally, that's what he does. He starts easy. He starts easy. It's when we are stubborn. Such a good God. He said we must not persist in rebellion. We must not persist in disobedience. I hope you're getting my point here. But what is it? The power belongs to God. So what we're going to do, just read some scriptures like we did last time. Hey, this is my troublesome lawyer. You're around. You will read the first one. The Lord is good. Let's start. These scriptures we are reading. Let's rise to our feet, everybody. We'll start from Deuteronomy chapter 32. Look, give him a, 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 a microphone. Everybody, please, let's open to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 32. We're going to read verse 1 to verse 14. What we are doing is magnifying the Lord. Which version are you reading from? Yeah. Oh, New American Standard. Ah, yeah, yeah, you are blessed, amen. Yeah, all right. Deuteronomy 32, we are going to read from verse 1 to verse 14. You read it for us. Deuteronomy 32. Verse 1. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Give ear, O heavens, and let me speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, and the droplets of the fresh of the fresh grass, and as the showers on the head. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. The rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are just, a God of faithfulness and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. They have acted corruptly toward him. They are not his children because of their defects, but are a perverse and crooked generation. Verse 6. Do you thus repay the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? Is not he your father who has bought you? He has made you and established you. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of all generations. Ask your father and he will inform you. 
your elders, and they will tell you. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of man, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the allotment of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land, and in the howling waste of a wilderness. He enriched him. He cared for him. He gathered him as the pupil of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up his nest, that hovers over its young, he spread his wings and caught them. He carried them on his pinions. Verse 12. The Lord alone guided him, and there was no foreign god with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth, and he ate the produce of the field, and he made him suck honey from the rock and oil from the flinty rock. Verse 14. Cords of cows and milk of the flock, with fats of lambs and rams, and the breed of Bashan and goats, with the fineness of the wheat and of the blood of the grapes, they drank wine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a particular verse that I love, verse 12. It said, The Lord alone guided him. And there was no foreign God with him. The Lord alone guided him. And there was no foreign God with him. Moses began this song by saying, Hear, O heavens. Let me speak. And let the earth hear the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drip as the rain, drop as the rain. My speech as the dew. Verse 3. For I proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God. Don't ascribe greatness to the enemy. If you see further down, Moses said that thing I've been quoting many times. He said, Why? He said, There will be time they will have troubles. He said, Why would they, would they one chase a thousand? Verse 30. How could one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had given them up? He said, indeed, their rock is not like our rock. That is the rock of the enemies. Even our enemies themselves, they judge this. I hope you are getting my point here. Ha! Listen, Satan is not in your life. Oh. I want you to declare. Say, the Lord alone is guiding me. Begin to declare it. Say, begin to declare, the Lord alone is guiding me. You are magnifying God. He alone is guiding me. I want you to declare that severally. Just say, the Lord alone is guiding me. The Lord alone is guiding me. They say, there is no foreign God with me. Satan is not a God in my life. Ancestral curses, they are not gods in my life. The economy of a nation is not a God in my life. My prosperity does not depend on the economy of a nation. It depends on the blessing from above. The Lord alone is guiding me. The Lord alone is guiding That's what we are talking about. That's how we magnify the Lord. Say, a human being cannot disappoint me because my life is not in their hands. That's what it means to praise God. That's what it means to worship. That's what it means to have His praise on our lips constantly. He said, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my lips. Let His praise be on your lips again today by saying the Lord alone is guiding me. Only His purpose am I going to serve. What are we talking about today? That God alone is in your life and there is no foreign God. He's in charge of your life. He's the one that determined your destiny. He said, the lines are falling for me in pleasant places. 
I have a goodly heritage. God has chosen your inheritance for you. Declare it. He's the one choosing your inheritance. Your inheritance is not a game of chance. It's not the product of the country you live in. It's the choice of the Lord. It is what he has chosen. It's important. That's why we praise God at all times. It's, look, repent of all the negative things. I've seen people sit down so much on what their enemies have done. The man was speaking to me the other day. He told me how his uncle is the reason why he's still like this. I said, after everything you have heard me preach, you are still talking like this. How can you? I mean, how do you regard man whose breath is in his nostrils? Repent today. You need to repent. Say, the Lord alone is guiding me. Everybody say after me, say, the Lord alone guides me. Say, like you believe it, the Lord alone guides me. And there is no foreign God with me. All right, let's see it on that scripture. Let's remain standing. Let me carry this one for us. Psalm 139. Read from verse 1 to verse 18. Which version are you reading? Oh, okay. Psalm 139. We are magnifying God in our lives. Psalm 139. Yes. We are reading from verse 1 to verse 18. Oh Lord, you have sat me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down. And I intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before. And laid your hand upon me. Read that verse 5 again. Everybody, let's read together. One, two, let's go. You have been closely behind and before. And laid your hand upon me. The verse 5, that's Psalm 139. Alright, let's read it again. This time I'll say it like this. The Lord has enclosed me behind and before. And laid his hand upon me. Declare it. Let me give you a word of prophecy. You will not get away. I hope you know what that means. You will not get away. You know what God said to Jacob? I will not leave you until I have done that which I promised. We often interpret it like this. God has promised to bless me. Hallelujah. He will continue to bless me. That's not all. That's the half. I will not leave you. It means when you disobey, I won't let you go. I will bring you back. I will flog you. You will cry. You will beg for mercy. And I will show you what you have done wrong. Then you will repent. And I will lead in the path of righteousness. That's what it means when they say, I will not leave you. I will not leave you. Let's not look in there. God will not leave you. He won't leave you to do wrong and get away. That is why when everybody is cheating in your class, they don't get caught. The day you join them, that's when you know that the dean is awake. And you are wondering, why? This boy, I know how he got to this 300 level. He has never done any exam normally. All I did was just to ask them, is 2 plus 2 actually 4? And I'm facing panel. It's a fulfillment of the word of God. When he says, I will not leave you. Let me say to you again, you won't get away. You won't get away from his hands. If you're a parent, listen, your children will not get away from his hands. They will serve the Lord. As a prayer, I pray for my children. 
you will serve the, that you can't get away. You know, say now nah, maybe your papa, sorry, your own don't end. You, you the, the only chance is hey, you know Lester Samra, you know what happened to him? He hated preachers. He thought they were lazy people. Instead of doing normal work, they'll be looking for offering. Why? Because in his house, his mother was a very good Christian. And his mother used to call the preachers that come to their church to come to their home to eat. His father didn't used to say anything. His father would look. And what used to annoy is that the mother would volunteer their house to host preachers. And the Sassamra always had to leave his bed. Because he take the boys' room. <laughs> so he disliked preachers. And then one day one of those preachers came around. He, the preacher's boy, another of his friends went to go and swim. And the third boy began to drown. And the preacher's boy ran home. While Lester Sumra struggled to save the drowning boy. He hated preachers some more. That look at their children, wimps. They can't even face struggle. So he grew up. By the time he was 17, he had left home. He's not going to preach. He is going to make money in life. So first thing he did to go and learn how to bab. He didn't know that his mother had already committed him. If Hannah gave birth to you, you must prophesy. <laughs> where, where are you going to go? Anna born you. You must prophesy. You will see vision when you are young. You know the prayer where they pray for them born you. He, he, did not, he did not know what his mother had done. As a boy, they bab, they bab, they make money. One day he coughed. Uh-uh, it was blood. He coughed again. He had tuberculosis. They dragged his 19-year-old body back home for his mother and his mother to nurse him. And one day he lay down there dying. There was no cure for TB those days. And as soon as his eyes opened, he realized that he was seeing things. On one side, he saw a big casket about his size, cut to his size. On the other side, he saw a big Bible. And instantly he knew the choice he had to make. God was not playing around. If you ain't going to preach, enter that casket. <laughs> the young man looked. He talked about it. He said, man, it's not good to die now. He was a young boy. I don't, maybe like 18 or so. Up to 19. So he turned around. In that vision, he chose the Bible. And then he recovered and got well. As soon as he recovered, he got up. And he said he took... He just went and went to go and preach. A friend of his had the car. He had some money. He said till now, the day I, I read the story in his book, Courage to Conquer. He said till now I can't remember the name of that boy. Two of them entered the car and just drove away to go and look for where to preach. Anywhere he saw, he stopped. He got to one man's house. He saw a man that had a band, in rural America. He said, "Can I have your band to be doing um, preaching work?" The man said, "No." So the man said, please, he should leave his property. He stood there and began to speak. He told the man, I must preach, otherwise I will die. And if I die, you will be responsible. <laughs> the man looked at the young boy and said, please, oh, take the key, go and preach. I don't want to be responsible for your death. I hope you're getting my point. That's the meaning of I will not leave you until I have fulfilled the promise I made concerning your life. It's not only that I will keep on blessing you. That's part of it. He will protect you from all evil. God protected Jacob from Laban. He protected Jacob from Esau. When I read this story, of course, some you know, hidden stories, not really in the Bible like that, that when Esau was coming, 
the Lord appeared as companies of you know, soldiers and warned him, be careful. And that is true because we know exactly what he did with Laban. It's still part of it. I will not leave you. That's what I'm saying to you again today. You will not get away. Amen. Anybody that says amen will not get away. Amen. No matter what, the destiny of God for your life, you will fulfill it. Amen. I said that destiny of God for your life, you will fulfill it. Amen. So let's read that scripture again. Say it, you have enclosed me behind and before. Say it again, the Lord has enclosed me behind and before. And he has laid his hand upon me. Let me keep reading, verse 6. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attend, attend to it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in show, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. Amen. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Amen. For you form my inward parts. You listen, will... listen. You are not a game of chance. You are not a product of evolution. Amen. Read that verse 19 again. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my souls know it very well. Verse 15. 15. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth, your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book we are all written. The days that were ordained for me, and when yet there was none of them. That's something in verse 18. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would outnumber the sun. When I awake, I am still with you. Hallelujah. Again, we are saying it. You are not a game of chance. You are not born by accident. Say it, I am not a game of chance. I am not a product of chance. I was not born by accident. The Lord has a plan for my life. And let me declare to you, you will fulfill that plan in the name of Jesus Christ. I'll be handing the microphone to the next man on your left. Open to Psalm 105. Let's read that one again, Psalm 105. What are we doing? We're magnifying God to show that He's in our lives. That's what we're saying. He's in your life. He's in my life. He's our God. That's the meaning of being our God. That's the meaning of being a living God. That is active. He's active in my situation. He's active in your situation. Read 17 verses for us from the beginning. Psalm 105. We're magnifying God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing unto him. Sing praises to him. 
tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he had done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offering of Abraham, his servants, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are, are in all the earths. He remembers his covenant forever. The word that he commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant that he made with Abraham. He sworn promise to Isaac. Which he confirmed to Jacob as a statue. To Israel as an everlasting covenant. Saying, to you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. When they were few in number, of little account, and sojourners in it, wandering from one nation to wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, "Touch not my anointed ones; do my prophets no harm." When he summoned a famine, famine on the land and broke all the supply of bread, he had sent a man ahead of them, Jacob, who was sold as a slave. Sorry, right, verse 17. That's what I was talking to read. Notice what he said in verse 16. The Bible, my Bible says he called for a famine upon the land. He broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them. Joseph, who was sold as a slave. When Joseph was being sold, the Lord was only sending him. When you were being sacked, the Lord was only transferring you. Did you, hear my, did you get that point? He said, my boss meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I hope you are getting my point. Ah, I pray that Christians will magnify God. If they fire you today from that office, don't for one moment look at the man with bad eyes. Just say, it is the lost time to move. There are different ways people move. Sometimes God will wake you up. Get up. Start moving. There are times they will close the place. I was in the news yesterday. One of the world's big banks. It was in BBC News. Was it this morning? People came to work. Dutch bank, something like that. And they told them, please go back home. 2,000 of you, you've lost your job overnight. The other people say, in the name of Jesus, I reject job loss. There's no problem. You reject it. Okay? When you come again, the door still doesn't open. Don't worry. Any door that you call the name of Jesus for, and he doesn't answer, it's Jesus that shot it himself. I hope I get my point. If it was the devil that shot it, the door for answer. But he's in the name of Jesus, I command you to open. The door is not, it not just move. The door refuses to budge. Do it three times. I command you again and I'm warning you. Open in the name of Jesus. By the third time, he said, I'm coming. Hey, Lord, why did you close this door? The Lord will say, turn around, see the other door that I opened. Who could have opened that door apart from me? But if I didn't close this one, you know you didn't, you won't notice this other one. They were selling him as a slave. But what was happening? The Lord was sending him to Egypt. Give the Lord thanks for the Lord who sent you. Give the Lord thanks for the Lord who brought you here this evening. Give the Lord thanks because he's the one that will take you somewhere else tomorrow. That's what it means to magnify the Lord. You are magnifying your boss if you are angry. 
some time ago, Winner's Chapel laid off some pastors. Some sued. I said, Why are you suing? If you are called to ministry, go and do ministry. This is an opportunity for increase. There are different ways to live. We read this portion for us to know that the Lord is doing mighty deeds amongst his people. If it's that I started, make known his deeds among the peoples. One of the deeds we should make known is that Joseph was sent by God, even though it looked like it was the wickedness of man. Let's magnify the Lord. Oh, let's magnify the Lord. Give the Lord thanks. Give the Lord thanks. Many of us who have been corrected in this life, we are blaming the devil. Give the Lord thanks. Give, let's magnify him. In the midst of trouble, magnify him. Say to him, my life is in your hands. That's the message today. That our lives are in his hands. Our focus being his hands. The focus being his. His. He's the one. He is the one. That's what it means to be our God. Even when there's trouble, we still don't magnify the devil. We still magnify our God. We saw it just now in Deuteronomy 32. In that verse 30. He said, our God is not like their rock. Our rock is not like their own. So if 1,000 if one of, 1, of us are being chased by one of them, and 10,000 by two of them, it's not because their rock is great. Maybe it's because our rock gave us up. That's what Moses was teaching Israel. Even in the midst of calamity, they refused. By prophetic insight, they refused to give the glory to the enemy. But they magnified God. And that's the platform for deliverance. When God has been properly magnified. Magnify God today. Give him thanks. That's how you do it. When people did not give him thanks, they did not acknowledge him as God. That's when he gave them, to the, gave them over to the depravity of their minds. Is your God. Is in your life. Before you were born, he knew you. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, he consecrated you for a purpose. And I say to you again, that purpose you will serve in the name of Jesus. I say you will serve that purpose in the name of Jesus. Let me say one more time, the Lord will not leave you. The Lord will not leave you. He will not let you leave him. I say amen to that. He will not let you leave him. He won't let you go. In the name of Jesus. That's how it is in your life. He will not let you go. But let me say something to you. The plan, the purpose he has for your life will be established. In this generation, the plan, the purpose he has for your life will be established. Let's give the Lord thanks as we begin to close. Let's give him thanks. Oh, I've been reading his praises. He's the one. He's the one. He is the one. He's a God in our lives. And there is no other God. Father, we give you praise. We worship you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we have prayed. I said in the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Hallelujah. All right, let's share the grace in fellowship. Are we ready? Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil. 
because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Can you just bless the people around you? Tell them this is your season.